Hello and welcome back to the Breachmart Podcast. It's Zach with me today to talk about early G experiences. The topic at hand is plant explosives. I've gotten two games and it's gotten a couple games. We're going to talk about kind of our thoughts on the strategy, who's we will get to, kind of superstars there. I don't think we need to over the whole thing. Other podcasts, essentially you have to get over the, the middle line, interact, drop an explosive, explosives at least six inches apart from your opponent and pick them back up or kill them. Yeah, thankfully uh, I have about six games now of plant explosives. Uh, I focused this last week getting two more in. So we're going to talk about it. Uh, and it is a breath of air almost having this come back, mainly because I think all of this GG has been a breath of fresh air. It has more strategy other than just uh, mm-hmm. if you get out there, and I know it used to be the way for plant explosives, drop all your markers, turn one if you could, get them out there, and then go do everything. Um, but there's still a lot of those schemes that are here that say, oh, no, you still need to be in certain areas. So you can't drop your markers and drop those schemes is the way they are uh, working out so it's been an interesting trying to find the right balance I've, I've done it in guild and in explorers uh tried out a few different masters and going wide and an elite crew so mixed results on both ways but uh, i think i got a lot to talk about yeah i'm uh I'm, I'm really glad to see this one come back just for the sake that like when i got into the game originally um it was right when gg1 took off so plant was kind of dropped so my um, like a majority of my experience with the strategy was actually with henchman hardcore um so seeing it come back around officially within the uh tournament packet proper was something that i was pretty excited about just because i've always enjoyed it at that smaller scale so getting into it here um trying to find those combinations of getting your markers out quickly and efficiently but safely um is definitely a joy and a lot of the uh a lot of the models that can, uh, you know, leap, drop, get back, or uh, situations with certain masters that can move their models and get them to interact, um, I think you're going to get a, a nice boost going into this. I've had uh, something bite me in the backside more than once, uh, doing going just basically going wide and dropping them. Um, and that is I found out some of what I thought was going to be the best models in the game for it. Turn around and go, oh, I don't have an engagement range these models don't have a melee range at all or so i Whoops. can't actually protect this marker once i drop it with this model mm-hmm. <laughs> uh that was learning some new crews because i was trying some new things out but also just realizing oh yeah uh that's still a thing like once it's there uh you still need to keep it there uh it helps having five tokens so you have like a backup you don't need to keep them all on the board um but even then, once one goes down, it just if your opponent picks it up, it's that much more likely they're going to get all of their. Yeah, especially if you're you're playing against like a, a Molly two or a Stuck two, where they can just like shove a model up there and have them interact and just yoink the thing you just dropped. Or even Molly one, uh, I will tell you the unnerfed model that has the unchanged by your side, where they also have forage. Um, those little tiny pieces of expletive crap. Um, <laughs> I played against them, and, and it was it was rough. Um, they literally just sit back in the deployment zone, feeding Molly some scheme markers until the necrotic mean or something else machine or something got up there. And then, oh nope, I have all of your my stuff in your backfield. Have fun trying to get it. Oh no, I'm now I've bounced back over to Molly. Now I'm gonna go grab your scheme markers and eat all your stuff and pick up your marker um they are a high priority target in 
Uh, help me, Zach. What is their title? I'm trying to think what that little model is. I'm sorry, which the crew? The minion, Krulligans. Yes, the Krulligan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited for a resurgence in 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 my opportunities to use Krulligans for for things that they're designed for, other than just being the coldest kids on the block with the shank. Um, because despite everything that uh, Brian just said, they are very much capable of making you dead too. And usually it's on the heels of Archie coming up and punching you a couple of times. Um, I'm incredibly excited for Molly in general. Um, as some people may know, Molly is very much where I really got my start in Malifaux. Um, played her despite everybody telling me she sucked. And I just like it when the game is twisted in such a manner to where I can use Molly things and feel like I'm actually playing the game correctly. Well, and yeah, and, Kr- and Krulligans are like the best four stone model in the entire game. It's not They're even close. Hard to wound. What are they? Five wounds. Five wounds. Uh, that stupid by your side when Molly's going to be eating markers and getting cards anyways. They can sit there with focus uh, in mm-hmm. the backfield the first turn or two because it's not a line of sight thing for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was it was always one of my favorite things uh, when I was playing my old Molly list was um, having them go and drop scheme markers and then having Molly go and give them a second activation. So I gained activation control and then they would like teleport up the board. Um all focused up basically and uh just stab the shit out of people and get my schemes and do all the things um yeah one three four damage track that is great and there's i'm going back over them right now uh, <laughs> if they have fewer cards in hand if you have fewer cards and they can't even cheat fate during the duel yep so with in forage that came up and the whole the fading ability, mm. the ability to basically freely remove two scheme markers without actually doing an AP, just their bonus and, and placing with their fading. They are the best at what they do. And if you're feeling cheeky, they can steal soul stones too. So that's always fun. Yeah, I ran Desper in to do some shenanigans and found out the hard way that that uh, def five or stat five against my def five kind of hurt to steal my stones <laughs> it's a pretty consistent way to get that done for those of us like who like to play the fair version uh, <laughs> i've been trying out lucius the changelings who feel like the quote, balance they're still very strong they do require line of sight and kill everything but they do have some really good defensive tech you activate order and they can pick up terrains as well as scheme which is very nice uh, they also have take by the hand to push stuff around sometimes i've been having a lot of fun with them they're the poor man's cruel again but I will give it to you. Being able to remove actual terrain markers is a big deal and really fantastic. Nekama to Broodmother, since we're on the, the small like plant uh, explosive token carriers that are amazing. Uh, the new Corrupted Hounds. Those things shouldn't exist for this genius. <laughs> Um, move six, uh, regen one, they have nimble, so they're walking as a bonus action. Uh, they also have a one, three, four damage track with critical strike pops. Um, they are extremely good. They can be picked up by the middle range Nephilim, yeah. the young Nephilim. Uh, the Broodmother list that I saw and have played against a couple times didn't start with a single mature, but ran three youngs like four hounds and unless you had a ranged threat to try to kill a hound early in most of these schemes where ap matters uh having two or three hounds was a giant boon because they could again sit out of the way be a pass token 
activation control, and then just run in to do what they needed to do. Uh, hold up your forces, whatever you needed, because there are three stone models that get kind of pushed to the side or out of the thoughts because it's, you know, a death four willpower three size one little thing off to the side. It doesn't seem like it's a threat until it scores points. So I, I want to I wanna make a point here, and I don't know if the two of you agree with me or not, but none of the things we've been saying here, in my opinion, are complaints. Um, I believe us being able to sit here and brag about how effective our three and four stone models are is a very good thing. Um, three and four stone models have been irrelevant for a long time, and most of them continue to be irrelevant. But I think having models of this of this cost range that are capable of actually doing things and being effective um, is is a good thing for the game. Um, I, I don't think having just lists made up of big expensive stuff because it's the only thing that survives is the most engaging or uh, enjoyable uh, state of effectiveness for models. So it always makes me happy to see cheaper models be useful yeah um i would say i still get my triple watcher list out for hoffman which is great uh i think as of today they yeah they previewed uh, a new low cost model for guild that looks awesome with armor one um uh, forget what the name was but they just put the ash bearers or or yep. something along the lines so it right. looked amazing uh so there is a lot of i mean just Tengu for Thunders are still amazing, even at 5 if you have to pay the extra stone out of keyword. Uh, all of those models are making great impacts in that last little final slot in SGG. How about, uh, how about them their Wicked Dolls? Oh, oh Enslaved Spirits uh, for Rezzers. Significant 3 stone chain gang model with Incorporeal. Yeah, they'll sneak in and just get points they they end up being like mvps in this this gg if you don't get rid of them mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's really easy to ignore the cheap little little thing that's just sort of hovering around the periphery of a of a stronger model um and it really puts you in a place where you're like i need to dedicate ap to what killing this thing or or putting it in on the master and most people will make that call to to only go on the master and in cases like this yeah i think that's probably probably a mistake um like I mentioned, you know, like with the Wicked Dolls, I mean, those have always been pretty famous, cheap, cheap models for their, their schemey effectiveness because you basically can't attack them unless you're close to them and they love running up the periphery of the board, tossing in those adversaries, um, and then, you know, just scoring points. Always ignored, you know, size one little little things just dinking around behind ankle-high walls and nobody <laughs> nobody notices them until... Until they're way back there and they've scored breakthrough and have dropped a bunch of schemes and basically won you the game just because. Well, at this point, it's espionage or protect the territory or any right. other number yeah. of those. But yeah, but but the point remains: it's a size one model that you have to act actively get close to to deal with, as opposed to just you know I'm just going to take a pot shot and kill this cheap thing from across the board. Um, I think models of these nature are good for the game, and I'm always glad to see that their talents are effective in AGG. To bring this back to plant explosives, I know we've gone on this uh, low model uh, tirade of being awesomeness, <laughs> um, but to bring it to why they're so good in plant explosives. Overall, I guess I have two different strategies I've been into this. I've tried them both. They both have successes and failures, and I've, I've learned a lot on the way to go. 
per master. But I found either I can go super wide if I am running, if I look at it and go, my models are mo more mobile, or then I will attempt to keep on all the edges and or run super deep and basically play catch me if you can because most of the time there's in there that'll allow me to, um if i have a mixed crew or an elite crew I, I have been able to bring and with plant explosives it is six inches but if you can get something to that middle line first get one half of the board to be controlled under you kind of like draw that that hard line in the sand like you can't get through this uh, then you only really need a small section if you play your cards right on where to drop your four mark. It also denies your opponent from being able to get in there and sometimes take them back if you use that strategy. Uh, but you do need more durable models, a little more elite, and you run the risk of them running rampant all the way around you. So it is give and take. I prefer if I'm going elite, you need to have at least one anti-scheme runner that is mobile if you're going to hold down the center because you have to try to track something. Yeah, I think I think trying to find your sweet spot of of durable stuff that can hold the line and models that are capable of, you know, ignoring the whole conflict and trying to actually score you the is really going to be the, the the thing with with list building. Um because I mean, not every not every force is going to be capable of it. So, like finding finding the sweet spot for your master in particular, I think is going to be a a pretty curious case that I'm I'm curious just to see how how people go about trying to solve the uh, the equation of this. So along those lines, just to give an example, uh, when I ran Asami, I have ran her two different ways. Uh, both times Asami won. I am a big fan of Asami, too. and actually she got a little boost for this one, but I haven't figured her out still yet. She can do that area control for Asami too, but Asami one can go both ways still. Honestly bringing in three Tengu, uh, and then maximizing seven stones and less, so keeping out your henchmen and bring in uh, multiple obsidian. Oni still the ability to summon one. Uh, Akanami, I've seen those little trash goblins hit the, hit the board because they help stop, um, deliver a message. They literally just hang right around Asami until, they, until they're dead, feeding her markers as need be to heal. And with that two-inch reach, it helps stop the interact. That's a great point out there. They have a purpose. <laughs> they can also make things slow. Um, or I have run it where it's that heavy elite with my summoner to maybe first turn try to get off uh, a Tenko or two summons, but I hired in um, the henchman, Amonazako, and I'm controlling with my hazardous terrain, uh, putting that little bubble out and say, no, you can't come in this section and, and try that uh, type of work. Both have worked to mixed degrees. It really comes out to who I faced. Um, but, and your play style. So I like the fact that you can play both ways for this one. I guess I haven't had as much, something that I found to be effective, particularly with this one. You can get as many right as close to the center as possible. It puts a ton of pressure. If you're able to protect them, it basically is a six inch bubble across the center line. Your opponent can't place people will often forget that it's six inch in the strategy you have a way effective although your opponent obviously can't pick but i found so a good uh helpful trick if you are dropping your markers uh don't drop them just over the center line um it is best to give yourself if possible a two inch gap after that center line because that means most 30 mil models can't walk with a bonus action or get pushed to a spot where they can activate twice to pick up and then immediately redrop on the other half. Uh, leave yourself that gap. Um, 
because if you do drop it just barely on the other half, it does allow a model to somehow get shenanigans into a spot or a 3 AP model to pick up and redrop in the same turn without moving again yeah. uh, because it removes yours and then goes drops right back. So that has come back to bite me in the butt, and that's why I'm giving that helpful tip out there. Leave it just past that. <laughs> Makes sense. I guess kind of going into some other things from the guild side, you mentioned Lucius. I'm guessing you played Neverborn. Um, we talked about the, the low level uh, obeys and any out of uh, activation ability to interact. So if you got Dark Bargain, let's say if you want to get that Tengu in, or I know Orn have it with a Broodmother, um, those type of things are also super amazing because if you have little shifts and little pushes, um, it gives you that advantage on tactics on getting those markers down or defending or you know i can reach all the way across the board to quickly run over there and grab this because i can um, push a model twice um i think one of my favorite moves right now is bringing the paper tiger with story uh with Lindley one and she can make him reactivate and you can push basically four models first turn especially all those story models uh, or whatever you need to or even your bookkeeper doesn't matter if they're slow because they have that bonus action and they ignore a lot of train when they move. That has been a great thing. Find that one model that kind of gets your crew because getting up the board early helps with plant explosives, either to deny or to drop yours. This isn't maybe get up there and kill, but you can go kill after you set up your position. How's uh, how's Wukong been treating you this, GG? Uh, I will say... Uh, I have little names for all of the models, uh, and Monkey Butt uh, does very well because you do get that push that drops a scheme marker. Um, I haven't done as much kidnapping uh, with him, but the fact that most people don't try to kill him because of his demise and that fact that two-inch reach, um, he's been great in other ones as well. Uh, We'll talk to like the voting booths and things where you need to defend a point. But yeah, he is doing great. Uh, I've loved both sides of the story. Uh, Lee one and Lee two uh, have been very strong in this GG. And you mentioned you you've played some explorers, so that piques my interest. Some um, who have you played? Has it just been McCabe or, or anybody else? Uh, mainly McCabe, but I have been dabbling back into Anya. Uh, Anya and was one of my mm-hmm. favorites. I want to get back into Ivan, but I haven't had enough time to get him on the board. But Anya two can be very fun. But I still like the in-your-face uh, type of shenanigans with Anya. Yeah, Ivan. Ivan's who I've gotten on the board most recently, and um, I think I think he he may see some more legs this GG. Um, I think it's a little early for me personally to say whether or not the uh, the nerfs and whatnot really will hinder him a bunch in in this regard. This GG. Um, I'd really like to just try and make Ivan two work for me, but. Uh, Ava teleporting around with her with her two inch reach to to block off spots um, is never going to be bad. Um, I mean, I think I think Ivan's Ivan's got some room for some for some neat stuff here and uh, setting up a nice teleport um, with Gibson to get uh get across the board real quick is going to be real fun. Uh, I'm still always a giant fan of operatives. Anyone who's heard this oh, yeah. podcast before, uh, and then actually Nocturnes. Uh, took a big step up mm-hmm. just because they are that low cast cost model that uh, and you know for a seven um you got displace mm-hmm. which those little pushes are still huge you do have you know street that's concealing 
So again, going back to the bring in at least one or two models for this that you can throw a token on, even leave them in the backfield as long as you need to. They don't have to initially do much for you, but a low-cost model that spends three turns literally passing or just focus and move or concentrate and move, whatever you need to do just to kind of keep it out of the way, later on that goes in and goes, nope, I'm going to pick up your marker because I've been sitting in the backfield or I'm gonna, I've am i now you know ran all the way across the board doing not much else, but at the end game, now I drop my marker points as points. Yeah, and honestly, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, trying out some of the new stuff that they showed off for Umbra. So, like the Alleyway Echo in particular, I think is just oh, fun. that thing looked. I mean, it's high cost, but it looked mean, and I love Wastrel too. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> admittedly, though, like Ivan was kind of in need of that, like that that high cost and three kind of like thing, right? Um, Explorers needed a nice min three beater that they can throw out there. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, the Alleyway Echo is is that, but it's a nine stone model, it's min three, it's move six, um, and it's got fast shenanigans, so like, there's there's gotta, there's bound to be value there, um, and so I think I'm going to be running Carnage, basically, all the time, um, so I'll, I'll definitely be proxying him the next time I get Ivan on the table. And uh, I may actually try and set that up, uh, set that up here fairly soon. Um, I know things to watch out for in with plant explosives. Don't mind me is great, but when you're looking at the scheme pool, that is really for me determined kind of how wide I want to go with plant explosives. How many of those little cheap models? Um, there is a lot in this GG where if you have hold up your forces and you have deliver a message and things that you can't kill opposing models or you ha- or if you can deny in your face straight up because you brought seven and less that limits your opponent's options they get to choose um and that is a viable strategy in this gg is taking nothing above seven stones i have run right. lists and done well um i think y- that young nephilim list was all seven and, um and that was devastating so speaking- i lost my train of thought <laughs> well speaking of seven stone models um and just dark bargain you you, you think you might like host ducat I have not got him on the table yet, but Host Ducat seems to me, I think I've heard out other people say in discords that once that it was previewed that it not not great, but versatility is key. It's incorporeal, um, which is something that is huge, especially in Thunders. You don't have a lot of access to that. Um, and I don't remember everything I saw on his card. He's like but, he's, he's got forever doomed and ungentlemanly affairs. He's got dark bargain, bargain, a heal, a derringer, and a distracted punch. Basically, I think it was a punch that if you hit, you could basically keep feeding yourself distracted or something. Yep. So I mean, it could be good. Uh, it's that middle of the road uh, model that you can. It's not a this is what I do with this model. This <laughs> is a beater. This is a scheme run. <laughs> this is the model you tech in. Uh, for this type of GG one, you need to do a little bit of everything. Right. And so I guess, I guess within this, uh, this strategy in particular, Dark Bargain. Yeah. Oh, I'm all about Dark Bargain. <laughs> so, I mean, he's got Dark Bargain. So I think, I mean, any, any opportunity for out of activation interacts, I think is going to be a, uh, a strong consideration for a lot of the strategies in general. This one just being one of them. Uh, especially, let's say you do have that beater model. Okay, they have you go, went in super hard on 
just over the opponent's line and you killed the model that was carrying a plant expulsion token. Well, what are you going to do now? You spent all your AP killing the model. Host Tukat, Tengu, Dark Bargain comes up there and goes, hey, go ahead and drop that this turn too. Yeah. You murdered everything else around. You took the token. Why don't we get on the advantage on the putting the opponent on the defensive and go ahead on scoring and drop your marker? Yeah, I'm uh, just like along those lines. I'm bringing out uh, Ivan, not Ivan. I apologize. Yanlo too, again, after after what happened with him. Um, I think this GG uh, plays towards his, his current um, value a little bit better than... Uh, previous gg so i, I mean think... i'd love to see some ashigaro in that list oh right well ashigaro i think worked a little better with uh yamlo one personally but i think i think get, getting everybody's favorite uh Penangalan on the board for more dark bargain schemey flying intestine goodness is going to be something that i'm going to have in my near future as well you do like the viscera so that model would call to you Oh, of, of course. You know, <laughs> I think I think everybody knows that the 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 more grotesque, the better, in my opinion. Just a quick point on the dark bar. Make sure that when it's cards, some dark bargain. I know, oh, absolutely. In particular, has a baked-in trigger, like Nephilim. So it's basically don't. But on out of activation, it's kind of becoming king. <laughs> Not just because of the of them, but because it felt like hypers who basically four to eight points by themselves when you have those things your opponent doesn't a lot of potential messing with your opponent for these schemes it is there's three or four of them that just deal information overload um espionage a couple others that just require you to have a scheme marker in your area or more scheme markers wanted to help deny it has been a pretty good staple of most of my games no matter what uh power ritual for me to leave a model in whatever corner it is this low cost model and interact to drop a scheme marker, even if I don't have that scheme, because you don't know whether or not I took it this time, and that could come back to score me points. And if I do it every single game, as I've been doing, I might be bluffing, I might not. It's about 50-50, but do you try to charge in to come all the way and get that marker, or do you wait until turn four when I go, oh, actually, I do have power ritual. I just didn't declare it earlier, so now I'm going to score four and five. Also, on that, with plant explosives, it does lend itself to some of these flanking uh, schemes. Or at least bluffing that you have that flanking scheme. I mean, you're going to be going there any, either way, right? Yeah, and if you got, you know you got that little one, or that, that model that doesn't have too much to do, you could draw an opponent's model out of place. And if all of a sudden they go, oh, I haven't seen him reveal what's his other schemes, it's these options, I've, and you're now telling or showing your hand, supposedly, that you have this, it may just draw something out. And then they misplay, and you go up further on the scoring. And I think another thing that makes that particularly potent, there are, you can effectively three schemes with a single scheme marker. Your opponent doesn't necessarily which scheme towards some sort. Make more decisions. So are you guys a, uh, a fan of dropping your side markers closer to the edge of the board, or dropping them more along the lines of like, six inches from the edge of the board to try and block off more space from your opponent. Well, I did already mention putting it at least two inches over the board, but my markers that I'm going on the super flanks, I usually try to put it right on the board edge. And to be honest, if I don't need that model to come back into the center of the board for any reason, Mm -hmm. um, to try to score me points, if nothing's chasing it down, I'll 
go deeper. I don't like sitting right at the thing and then moving in, especially since then you're usually um, trying to all of a sudden flank, uh, bluff one of the many schemes that need you to be like in your opponent's deployment zone or, or one of those that are super far back. So I do usually, if it's right on that board edge, I'm flanking on the outside, they don't have anyone there, go at least six, eight inches in, get over the edge, then drop it, then go off and do it because it gives it a little more security. Well, so uh, I'm I'm t- I'm talking table edge. Yeah, table edge. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I may have misunderstood what you were saying there, but I was saying yeah, in from the edge to try and block more space. But I oh, think in from the edge towards the center. Yes, to 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 deny more actual dropping space from your opponent, as opposed to dropping them directly on the edge of the board, um, where it may be might be safer for the marker. So that that was that was the uh, the angle I was trying to get at. That depends on which of the two strategies I've talked about. If I'm doing the the flanky wide one, uh, no, I don't worry about that whatsoever. I try to let my uh, other models kind of do that just by model positioning. But if I'm doing that area control takeover, usually I will try to get one as close to the center point and the other one then almost exactly six inches from that one so that you're kind of trolling the area already with your drop mark so yes that one way or the other it's usually yeah i go for that denial or i'm just there to make sure you have to run super wide to come get mine totally yeah i think there i think there's a lot of room for um marker positional uh tomfoolery here just because it requires it to be you know a certain distance away from another marker specifically um another strategy marker um specifically you could effectively deny entire portions of the board for your opponent to score from based on your your placements. And I think the ebb and flow of trying to do that as effectively as possible um, will be the real kind of like highlight of, uh, of playing this strategy. I guess there's one other thing I wanted to talk about after this, but using terrain for what you're kind of talking about for mm-hmm. controlling the zone with your marker, if... You know there's a bunch of severe terrain and they don't have ways to get in and around it. You don't need to, you know, drop it yours in there if you're near there to deny a larger chunk of... Mm-hmm. Or if I'm going to be on the back side of this three or four inch height wall uh, and I drop it here, it's not line of sight for being dropped within six for the... Mm-hmm. It's just a flat within six inches. So if yours is hidden behind this wall, it still denies six inches, you know, on the other side of it. Yeah, and even and in that case, they can't just walk six and six and pick it up because they then have to get up and around it. So the effective range of denial is actually larger than the just the six inches there. I guess the last thing then that I was getting back to is: Do you drop them all early, or do you hold on to some markers, especially since you have five markers to begin with at the start? What did you do when you played, James? I dropped them on two, and that was... Uh, I, I like mean, that's put fair. Them, I like to put them early because the pressure it puts on... They have to... They're already so far behind that they have to be worth it to try and pick up your... I think that's very particular type of out of active act, so that you tell them to do very fast bonus actions that'll... But I found you hold on can kill you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you here, James. Um, I feel like there's an inherent risk of holding on to a marker. Um, the longer you do, the more likely your opponent can counterplay you. And if you drop your markers sooner rather than later, especially if you do them in mass and quickly, um, it brings in that denial factor that we were just talking about where now your opponent, 
not only has to deal with the fact that like they're going to be behind if they don't get their stuff out, but they may have to now dedicate additional resources to getting those out into places where it's even legal for them to do so. Um, otherwise, they have to try and figure out how to either pick up the ones that you dropped, which, again, is going to be difficult because there's probably a model right there looking to block. And so now they're like, do I, do I try and go in and try and kill them? Do I try and go in pick them up do i just ignore them and try and get my stuff out there it's if if your opponent sets sets that up on you really good it's it just applies a lot of pressure like you just mentioned and i mean it can just win you the game outright if you do it effectively and your opponent hasn't built their crew to effectively counteract that i will say most of the time i agree with that um, I have been finding lately that keeping one of my models that's well hidden with a marker on it or one that's trying to just sit back or waiting can be beneficial because I have that one extra marker. Or if I'm running very elite crews, sometimes if I know I'm sturdy enough, I do not like to drop them because I know I don't have the model count my opponent has. And if I drop them and then try to go kill, I run the risk of, well, you brought that model backwards from the other side of the board, and now you picked it up in my backfield. Now I can't score all, especially if I'm using a lot of ranged damage, so I'm not getting the undropped markers from things I've killed. Uh, so I don't like to do it unless I have uh, a full crew that has hypermobility. If I have the slightly more elite uh, zone control crew, I will... I don't actually don't care if my opponent gets one point off the strategy. It's very hard to deny all four points because, I mean, at some point they could get a, a marker down and get one point. It's denying the second, third, and fourth point is where the game wins for me. You get that first one, okay. You know, you ran it over here. I'm going to let that model go, not even worry about it. But the rest of them, I'm going to stop. And I think that's a big part of how I play Plant Explosives now is choosing... Which exact models that you have on you with explosive tokens that I'm going to stop? I'm not going to go try to chase down a crew again. I know you're going to get that one with a necrotic machine or maybe even a second one. But what I'm going to do is put enough pressure uh, in the middle of the board and stay in the middle board so that when you do get to my backfield, you're not still getting three, four points off the strategy. I hope that made sense because I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit there. But there is reasons not to drop all your markers don't have the ability to defend them sure i mean of course you know strategy is always contextual to what what uh assets and abilities you have available to you at any but if you don't do it the way we say it you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) if you want help on this just ask uh i will say asami i guess i guess do we want to wrap this up with just kind of who we think is kind of the best ish or we think is super great at this in terms of masters you want to do it like per per faction like toss out a keyword or two yeah like top two, just off the top of the head for each faction, that would might be great at plant. Sure, go ahead. It's, it's, go easy. Ahead. it's easy for Neverbull because we so just activate the changelings are his hyper removal pieces. Oh yeah, yeah, I actually agree with Lucius. Uh, especially specifically Lucius two because the changelings can can warp right up to him. The second one has dark bargain flight models and the dropski can vary to not now, to mention her attacking also has like positive flips. I think Broodmother is a beast. Now, I, I don't mean to uh, question or challenge the Lord of Purple, but I think you might be uh, sleeping on old Mama Z just a, a tad bit. Um, yeah. 
I mean, Zoraida in general, I mean, Obey Masters are going to just have access to out-of-activation interactions anyways. Um, but uh, old Moth Witch there, I mean, she's got that, that whole deal where she can, what, interact and then have two of two of her other models also interact. Like, you could set up some, some massively quick uh, bomb drops just just off of that alone. So yeah, she has a model that right. I totally just has gups. Yes, shaking my fist. She she indeed has gups. We will not sing their praises today. We do not have enough time in the day to do so. Um. <laughs> yeah. Sillerids. All right, so we'll, we'll get back to her when we get into Bayou. <laughs> to say is, if in a plane ever pick loot, maybe you could learn how to play them both at the same time. But I'm not. Assuming that your wallet is capable of handling the purchases necessary to play Zoraida, asterisk. <laughs> Bayou, since we've kind of brought that up, uh, I think the Clampets actually are great for this, just be mainly because of Buckaroo, mm-hmm. um, our amazing models. Uh, uh, on top of that, it would be Zoraida would be my top two. So Clampets and uh, Zoraida, for me, are Bayou's, like, great. For- I'd maybe yeah, throw a wall there and just be not fast. Oh, fair, fair. I missed that model. Uh, nope, I, I have to take that back. <laughs> Zip. I always forget about how annoying and fast, and because they also have the piglets that are not the super low ones, but I think they're uh, maybe the, the flying one that are significant. So Zip, actually, uh, is probably... So they have option <laughs> in Bayou as well. Yeah. <laughs> how, about, uh, how about Thunders there? Oh, uh, well, I've sung the praises of Asami for Plant, uh, you have lots of options depending on how you want to build it out between Tengu and Katashiro and any number of small models. And then, honestly, uh, McCabe is great. There's a lot of masters I would I would choose, but if personally, I would go with one of those two because you do have access to Husters if the board is right. Uh, McCabe one you can jump in late. Uh, McCabe two, you could do the interacts uh, through because of McCabe in line of sight. So I would probably say. Wastrel or Asami, but that's just because I don't want everyone great. So this has been top three for all of them. No, no monks in your four win punches or anything. Monks are good. Uh, monks, you need suit still for the leaps on the the win monks. I believe mm-hmm. it's been a while since I played them, but I usually do uh, the second version because then you can pass off the upgrade that allows them to chief for suits or however that worked. It's been a little bit, but they're good, but they're kind of bubbly. Sure. Um, that's why I prefer the other one. So sleep on story. No one play Lin Lee because she sucks. No, uh, because she's honestly extremely good, especially this GG bookkeepers being able to ignore and have the bonus action to interact. Uh, you have one of the best. Uh, you have the story models all are extremely, extremely good uh, between the horsey boy, monkey boy, and Thunderbutt. Uh, they all have their use. So... Totally. Top three. Uh, in Rezzers, I mean, I brought up Yanlo before. I think Yanlo might might get a resurgence here in terms of just viability. I, I think for pretty obvious reasons. I mean, he's he's got all the interacts. He's got all the moves. He's He's got a, a coterie of models that are just value-packed. I don't think anybody's going to argue with, with the fact that he just has strong models, period. Following that up, I think I'm also going to go with Molly. She's she's got the best scheme runner in the game and the Kruligans, in my opinion. Um, she's got she's got access to some solid solid beaters and and schemer. I mean I mean 
Archie, Archie is such a good switch hitter in terms of just like being a punchy, schemey boy. Um, and he tag teams really well with a cruel again. And then Molly too, having her ability to, to push her, her models and have them take interacts, ignoring engagements is just pure money, whether you're voting or dropping bombs. So, um, I think, I think that's, that's a strong case there. Um, though, of course, I mean, you could always, you could always make similar arguments for Von Stuck too, because he can also move and cause interacts maybe to a lesser degree, but I, I think there might be, might be some space for, uh, for Castor in there. Um, he's got models that can ignore, um, terrain when they're moving around. He's got, I mean, his, his minions got to, got to teleport. That's, that's pretty, pretty neat in of itself i i haven't really sat down and played much more castor lately so he's probably one i'm probably gonna be uh labbing a bit just because i think they're cool um so couldn't just do have that pseudo by your side yeah that's exactly what i'm talking about um so i think that's just that might be there might be value there it's 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 really hard to say that the, the crew itself is uh pretty tight in terms of like what you want to bring and in the the money that you have to pay for it. But, um, yeah, I think, yeah, the blood vessels might, might be kind of, might be kind of sneaky in that regard, assuming that you can get them to do what they need to do. And otherwise Castor's likes bubbling and, and scrumming in the center. So, I mean, it kind of fills that criteria of, you know, doling it out in the center while having a few things run around and get some stuff done. Um, and of course, you know, in, in Rezzers, he has access to like enslaved spirits and whatnot, and in Neverborn, he has access to the wicked dolls and whatnot. So there might be something there. I mean, I gotta give it to Molly, but I actually think that uh, I might take Karai too okay. and Dark Horse McMorning to, um, into there, just because the ability to give all that extra movement. They mm-hmm. when you lose, they can do the extra scheme marker shenanigans um a few things along those lines but uh lost love has a by your side and you have access to a lot of incorporeal uh models ones that have trails of gore so honestly i'd put probably karai in one of the tops so in other words the whole damn factions got the goods anyways let's let's move on <laughs> how about explorers x they i have probably the least amount currently even though i used to to play them for a long period of time I mean, Maxine has Orville and can toss a bunch of stuff around. Uh, yeah, I, but... I, I think, I think, I think she has a pretty solid argument. Just, just from the "I got tosses and I'm durable as fuck" standpoint. You have Nexus. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but then again, there's also Nexus that just has all of the models and all of the AP, right? You got McCabe who has horses, right? Horses, hucksters, and then I would put. Anya is the dark horse. She's like a fifth, but uh, I think she's the one that people don't expect out of it. Any thoughts on Tiri? You got tosses there, too. You do. I haven't seen her enough, to be honest. I haven't Fair seen enough. a lot of people running her. Mm-hmm. Um, so on paper, I think she is good, but I think some of her mobility starts lacking once that initial toss is done. Sure. Though, I guess my, my dark horse pick for, for Explorers might be Cornelius Boss. Um, home on the range, letting you start all the way up there. It does have to work for you, um, assuming that you you know you, do, you deploy yourself in a wise way. Um, I think that uh, that might be uh, worth considering. But I, I, I think ultimately um, McCabe is probably a strong contender just because again horses and hucksters and and Frenchmen. Oh my! 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, I didn't mention Desper when I talked about him, but he yeah. still has Don't Mind Me. He still ignores terrain, has le- yeah. um, has a grappling hook. He's still mm-hmm. great. And now he, he gets a re- Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, probably I agree with you that Nexus, uh, Wastrel, and somebody else. Whatever third one. EVS, because they're my favorite. There you go. Those are probably my pick. Fair enough. I think the only other kind of credibility. Uh, <laughs> experience. I have plenty of experience playing against Ark. Hoffman. My first Hammock Fast. Hoffman 1, Triple Watcher. They're durable, flight 7 with a free push uh, for their bonus action. I yeah, would still put Hoffman mind. into this. You don't need <laughs> yeah, you don't need Don't Buy Me because you just move away. Yeah. <laughs> so Hoffman is one of my favorites. He's still extremely strong. Uh, not as big a fan as Hoffman 2. Uh, currently, I actually think Sonya, as bad as it sounds, um, can be pretty good for this one because Sonya 2 has that area control type of plant you can run. Um, you Your pyre markers are severe, so it's to everybody, even incorporeal models when they're your enemy. So you're really hampering your opponent's ability to move, and you do have access to some pretty decent models and they have that new previewed for healing and survivability so i'd say sonya too actually is pretty good in there i know people are probably like it's nelly it's lucius um yeah i was about to say nelly stealing (laughs) well yes they're in there but stealing people's interacts and and just being annoying little shits is i mean the thing about plan is you don't have to interact near anybody Mm -hmm. so that whole controlling you don't have to be in a certain spot so i don't think nelly gets it for plant she's got her place but i don't think it's plant (laughs) it's it's most all the other strategies i do think others are better for this one i mean you still have harold tull which has super mobile uh dead silent so i would probably run hoffman tull or lucius for plant or actually even dashel is my dark horse. okay and then the good old arcanists damien <laughs> yeah, those are probably gonna i was in colette probably because just can't they so. can't carry the marker so colette 2 isn't as good um damien still has some mobility shenanigans um you have ledger domain uh and a few things to get around uh, when you have a giant golem of a soul stone variety that can leap to somebody, punch it to death, then drop their marker. Uh, Damien, I think, is still up there. Sandeep, and then uh, probably Karis would be the top three for plant. See, I would, I would argue Marcus. Oh, you do have the Cerberus. Yeah, and you can hand out flight and all that nonsense. So, like, but about to say, talk about like the most slept on master, Marcus. Yeah, uh, he could see a big... I will, I'll agree with that. I might take Damien off that and go with... Yeah, probably the other ones. Marcus. Small I victories. Mar- I think Marcus's my drawback is, is solo. He's solo, probably. Yeah, and don't yeah, forget that fair. Hoffman's actually better in Arcanist because you can get Arts of War, but I was trying to leave him off that list. I'm a guildmaster. <laughs> he <laughs> is just that good. Oh, yeah. It can be good, but I think... My opinion is now that you're not relying on some of the tricks that she had for Mayfang 2 to just kill a bunch of models to score. Um, once you get out there, you leave yourself open because if you are running into, let's say, Lin Lee or some of these masters who now know her shenanigans and you get rid of those ski markers or sorry, those scrap markers, uh, you run into the hurt where you lose all your moments. Yeah, I think I think Ride the Rails requires quite a bit of setup that is 
there's there's enough marker removal now to disrupt it to where it's nowhere near as reliable as it was before. So I think I think ride the rails is more of a uh, auxiliary if it's there you use it sort of thing rather than an actual uh, game plan. Okay. The only one I'll say for Outcasts is you have Terra. Terra. <laughs> and Terra. Terra. Terra and um. I've already mentioned this podcast. I forgot what. The, but either way, Zip. Yeah. Terra well, and Zip. Well, if we're not if we're not going Zip, it's going to be Terra and, and uh, Von Schill. Rocket boots. Rocket rates, boots. Yeah. Yep. You got rocket boots. You're durable as shit. Um, Von Schill would be my would my go to. Yeah. There's nothing that says you can't you know bury your own model with plant explosive markers. They don't get left behind. They're, that isn't part of this. So uh, yeah, you know, like, take yeah. your little <laughs> bury your dudes and then. And then rip that fast off and launch them off behind enemy lines on somebody and just do yep. whatever you want. Bury that person, then drop it. So, uh, I know we're at that hour. We're going to try to keep these strategy ones uh, to right around this mark. Uh, my closing remarks for myself would be, uh, I really love Plant again, and I like the fact that it is going either direction. You don't have to go killy. In fact, if you go too killy, you're going to get left in the dust by mm-hmm. someone who like Asami who can run all the way around you. Yeah, this is definitely one of those ones where your opponent can get ahead of you and just be ahead and no amount of killing will save you when you just don't have the time to catch up. I guess the thing that makes it excited is for most of the GGs I've been a part of the calculate attack rate and how fast kill moss kind of the primary which I chose to uh, because of it now, which is how fast can can I and I think the fact that this deal again fun for sure. Thanks for listening. Hope to get you